All right. Give me some advice here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we got a drink, very tasty little drink. Oh, yes. Uh, and I had to use, to bo- use a bottle opener to open it. Yes. And it broke some glass off the lip and I can oh. see it inside. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It's got to go out. <laughs> you can't. I don't want to. Yeah, if you ingest glass, it's not very good. No. <laughs> I know. Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 34, for Friday, the 24th of February, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, we look into the career of Susan Wojcicki, we look at some new GCP pricing plans, we take a look at some GCP firewall features, plus we get the latest in the AI wars. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce the co-host of the show, Dave Wall. How you going, Dave? I'm doing great, thanks, mate. And you pronounced my name perfect and everything. <laughs> I got your name right. <laughs> That's all we're going for now. It's the, the standard we're setting on the podcast. <laughs> uh, apologies, Susan. It's a tricky name and we're going to get it wrong during the show. <laughs> but we're going to try our hardest. <laughs> Let's just stick, stick with Susan, shall we? I think it's going to be the way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, busy week for us, Dave. Uh, it's definitely been a week of, uh, well, they call it a sprint for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a sprint. Yeah, it really truly has been a sprint. Um. I don't, I don't know. I, I got all my cards done. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gazing at your empty swim lane <laughs> longingly while my cards sit in blocked. <laughs> uh, project um, management, yeah. But, um, yeah, just been so busy with that. I've not even got on to any sort of tech adventures this this, this fortnight. I, I've, at the end of, end of the day, I've just gone back up into, into the house and just been fried just sat on the couch and not wanted to really play with anything else how about yourself uh like not a huge amount um <laughs> you know we've been talking a bunch about chat gpt i actually mm. like had something to like use it for the other day and i don't like my partner's been using it for uh helping with like job ad creation which has been pretty cool and then oh, i was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was sitting there and i'm like i've got my little little side hustle business of mine and i thought hey ChatGPT, write me a business plan. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Give me a business plan. And how'd it go? How'd it go with that? Well, it, it convinced me to invest in it. <laughs> this is <laughs> like the, the figures that it sort of pulled out. I, now, I haven't gone back and like, you know, double checked anything that it put in there. But if I was like reading it as if it was like an executive summary that it had produced all that for me, I'm like, oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that addressable market that I'm going after. <laughs> Well, if, if nothing else, it gives you some language to use, right? Like yeah. addressable market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, no, it was nice. And how to put that. The, the, the whole framework that it put it all together. And uh, it was just on, on a punt. I'm like, I don't even know where to start with this thing. Hey, ChatGPT, you do it for me. <laughs> no, well, that's perfect. That's a perfect use case, right? You had no idea how to start. No, no idea. And here you go. You, you, now, it's putting those, um, you know, those, those, that's contextualizing some of those phrases that you need. Yeah, very um, much so. 
And then yeah. I was able to go back and like clarify and say, oh, actually, you know, because um, it because it was like, uh, what was it suggesting? It's like, oh yes, we're expanding into brick and mortar retail. My hat. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely that out, please. Yeah. So yeah, so it goes back and it amends everything. And um, yeah, no, it's it's. I was pleasantly surprised. Obviously, it's going to need some uh, some manipulation, but it was a, it was a good way to get the first bones of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, yeah, that's the best use case for it at the moment that I see. Anyway, we'll get onto some AI stuff later in the show, um, but I just. Uh, I wasn't going to make a full article out of this, but it it did come across my desk that uh, Uber uh, apparently has struck up some deal with Google and is moving their data centers into Google Cloud. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw that, but also yeah. Oracle, which I found And Oracle as well, yeah. So there'd already been a relationship with Oracle and they already have a relationship with AWS. So now they're across all three vendors. Um, and what's interesting about this um, in the article that I'll link to the register is that the deals are part, in part responding to supply shortages of data center hardware during the pandemic when the lead times for hardware stretched to as long as 80 weeks. And we've certainly touched on that as a benefit of why you would go down this path. Like, why why would you want to run your own DCs and you have to deal with supply chain issues? Yeah, just move it to cloud, right? Um, yeah, it also said that uh, moving to Google Cloud, it would it would benefit from a whole bunch of other Google services like Ads, Maps, um, and of course the database is you know it's it's the best that there is uh cloud spanner is one they mentioned particularly um so yeah it looks like it's it's a win-win partnership for sure indeed um i do wonder i wonder what services are actually going to use behind oracle's cloud like i wonder if they they would ever have actually much in the way of genuine oracle workloads i yeah, this article doesn't say, mm. but why would you – I'm just putting it out there. Unless you were running Oracle Database, you wouldn't – why would you run something on Solaris on Spark in the cloud? You, you wouldn't do that, right? I, I can't see why you would do that. Oracle Database, but if you're going to run Database in the cloud, why wouldn't you use BigQuery or Spanner? It's – Mm. Yeah, that's kind of, there'll be yeah. reasoning there that is not being yeah. exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say it's for their most critical workloads, though. So yeah, must be must be Oracle DB. Yeah, but that and but they do mention database cloud spanner up further in the article, and they say that is one of the products they're going to leverage in the future. So they may have, you know, plans to uh, transition across. Yeah, but this is this is a seven year there. deal though, so. Yeah, they got some time. They got some time. Yeah, yeah. Anything to get away from that Oracle licensing, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's just a little, uh, little, little one there at the top of the show. Um, I'm sure. Or um, <laughs> Larry just, uh, you know, got got another yacht from it. Guy <laughs> probably did. <laughs> Larry got another yacht. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on with the community news.
So following on from last fortnight's community news, we, uh, we're we going to spruik the uh, free Hitchhiker's Glide to Google Cloud. Um, once again, I mentioned it last fortnight, say, uh, it's on Thursday, the 2nd of March, a uh, 20-person session held uh, in Melbourne at the Metal Griff office. And uh, you can learn all about Google Cloud. I'll link in the show notes. And uh, additionally to that, we have GDG Melbourne coming up. And uh, the details, GDG Melbourne uh, is on the 2nd of March as well. I think fr- I think friend of the podcast, Mr. Brown, is going to be attending. Friend of the podcast, Ian Brown, will be attending. Is that right? I believe so. I think he's coming down to Melbourne. Well, there you go. I'm just looking at the meetup page now for GDG, GDG Melbourne. They don't appear to have the event there, but um, yeah, keep the date. Uh, GDG, 2nd of March in Melbourne, featuring Ian Brown. <laughs> <laughs> He's committed now. Let's lock him in. <laughs> That's it, lock him in. <laughs> uh, cool. Awesome. Let's get on with the news items. So the CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki, has stepped down. Yeah, um, and after a, a long tenure, like she's been with Google since the start, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. Um, stepping down for personal health, uh, focus on family and uh, work on her passion projects. She uh, is being replaced by Neil Mohan. And you know what? After 25 years, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. After 25 years, fair enough. Yeah. Like, like, where, like, where do you go up from? Like, she was in pretty much one of the most senior positions in one of the biggest companies, the most profitable companies in the world. After a quarter of a century, like, it's not like she was on, you know, a junior developer salary in that time, right? <laughs> I'm sure. No, that's right. Yeah. She, and she can go a yeah. couple of weeks off. <laughs> Yeah, and she's arguably on the biggest social media platform there is. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, who, who would, who, who's competing there? For Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, I mean, YouTube, come on. Like, YouTube's got to yeah. be the number one, right? Um, well, you know, just uh, Vimeo's catching up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that still up? <laughs> just quick go check that. Um, but yeah, look, she she's done a lot. Um, she rented out her Silicon Valley garage to co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin in 1998, and joined the company as as its 16th employee a year later. Now that's some dedication. She's been there since day one, like literally renting them the space. <laughs> yeah, it was her garage. <laughs> you might say that she was there first, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, done a whole heap of things in the company and moved through just about every position imaginable. Um, but uh, during her tenure, YouTube became increasingly important to the business for Google, which bought the site in 2006. And Alphabet, the holding company that houses both of them in 2022, YouTube generated $29.2 billion in ad sales more than 10% of Alphabet's total revenue. That's astonishing. 
She will stay around with the company, though. She's going to be going to an advisory role for other areas of the business, um, and she'll be supporting Neil Mohan for a, a period as well. Okay, so she's sort of moving into the old uh, special projects space. Special right? projects. She'll probably avail- still be available to them maybe one or two days a week. Um, yeah, but you think of the change that YouTube's been through in that period. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what they've had to do and fight and introduce new things and the whole COPA thing like that was a, that was a oh, could have yeah. been a disaster for them. Uh, but then it, you know she was navigated YouTube through all of that. Do you remember what it was like before YouTube? Before Google bought it? Well, but I mean before just it at all. Oh, you know, just so many random little sites. There was this time before YouTube, back in yeah. the dim, dark days. Yeah, back when you- Wait, I might be conflating my timelines a little bit, but I'm remembering back in the awful times where we didn't have standardized video players and you had to like- You had RealPlayer and then QuickTime installed oh. and then- <laughs> RealPlayer and QuickTime. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and also Flash. You know, you need to have Flash too. Oh, you got to have Flash. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> The most insecure thing ever created, but yeah. Uh, you know what? I reckon that would have been the before YouTube, but we, I think it was all like Flash games and stuff was the majority mm, of mm. content. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. Man. Takes me back to uh, the, you know, Strong Bad and- Ah, oh, I love Strong Bad. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Badger, Badger, Badger. Badger, 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 Badger. Oh, Things yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're going to get some- Rusty spoons up in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'll be, yeah, she'll be, I, I guess she'll be missed, but um, you're right. She's, she's done her work at Google and um, yeah, let's see what, what the impact of her moving on to YouTube is going to be. If, uh, if I was smart, the people at YouTube probably wouldn't, I wouldn't go making too many changes straight away. Um, just, uh, yeah, keep things going along as they are. All right, moving on. Um, Google has introduced some new pricing plans. Now, I, I had a look at this article, the blog article on Google, and I have to admit, I found it difficult to find actually what this was. Um, okay, so I'm glad that I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. I know that it's called Flex Agreements. Right, but based on this article, I'm not actually able to tell you what it's given you, other than the marketing spiel of it's better for our customers. Did you read that this way? Well, yes, I think that it was just a way to kind of smooth out your committed use discounts instead of having to have significantly larger ones. Yeah, so that that I can I can see, and now if that if that's the crux of what it is, and then, then that's pretty easy to explain. Um, in the blog, there's a uh, a diagram that they give you, and the problem typically is if you are using something like BigQuery and you jump over a certain threshold, then you'll move up into the second warehousing sort of pricing bracket, and you'll stay in that bracket for a period of time. And then drop back down. Now, 
even if you don't use all of that in that period of time, you still charge for it. Right? You may it may have just been a spike at the start and then drop back down, but you still charge for that period of that block of time. The new uh, flex agreements will chunk that to smaller time periods. That's my read of it anyway. And it's all about reducing costs ultimately. Right. And I, I guess enabling more people to get on, like have a lower barrier of entry to get into having an agreement so you can start to get some of the savings from it. Yeah, there's, there's less need to buy commit to an upfront spend. I think that's the barrier that they're referring to, mm, the upfront yeah. spend. Taking from an article here on Silicon Angle, um, as part of today's update, the search giant debuted a new procurement option for enterprises called Flex Agreements. Such agreements also offer access to discounts and related benefits, but remove the need to make the upfront spending commitment that was necessary until now. Right, so it's about getting enterprises in. They also made changes to uh, Google Workspace. Um, now, there's some US dollars here that I'm going to quote. The following price increase, the business starter, business standard, and business plus versions of Google Workspace will cost $720, $1440, and $16, uh, $2160 per user per month mm, with okay. a flexible plan. Yep. Yeah. They made some changes there as well. There are also going to be changes to... Um, its public cloud offerings available in three new editions. So this is where the standard enterprise enterprise plus comes in. Now I don't know, is it a subscription thing perhaps or unless it's a subscription or it's a tier of commitment. Right. So this article does go into what's included. Uh, The enterprise will include features designed to help companies more easily navigate regulatory compliance, uh, disaster recovery tools, um, and it's designed to host mission-critical workloads. So maybe it's like a tool set that you will get. You know how um, uh, Security Command Center um, and a few other things, you've got to buy a subscription to get like the advanced features for it? I'm, 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 I have a feeling that they're sort of packaging those things now. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, mid-range enterprise products will include a broad range of features designed for customers with workloads, high demands, flexibility, and reliability. So they're not going into it exactly here. Maybe I'll, if, if I've got an opportunity in the fortnight, I'll go and have a little bit more of a dig through and find out what it is, uh, what's included in those packages. Uh, and then to get back to what we are talking before, BigQuery's auto-scaling capability as part of the updates announced today. Um, so it's... The service will gain the ability to add and remove infrastructure in a more granular manner. Um, right, so that was the, the big query sort of graph that we saw in the uh, in the, in the blog article. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for some new pricing. Okay, moving on. On top of new pricing, uh, there was a blog article that came out uh, on Google Cloud recently talking about Google Cloud firewalls capabilities. And uh, we already know about, knew about some of these, but it's nice to have them all sort of in one little, uh, one, one neat uh, package here. But what's also good now is that the features are now available via the command line and the API. Yes. Yes. Good. So what are these features that were, that were announced in Next in October 2022? 
um, and they introduced, uh, I think it's when they did the firewall policies, when they brought firewall policies in. Yeah, I think it was about the same time, yeah. About the same time, yeah. Uh, we introduced uh, Google Cloud threat, threat detection, um, still in, uh, in preview. Um, this next one, domain name, fully qualified domain name based objects. Oh, that's a good one. Geolocation based objects. Uh, in the essential, they introduced uh, global regional network firewall policy. Now generally available, I and govern tags and address groups. So just have a little breakdown on a couple of what a couple of those are. Um, uh, Google Cloud Threat Intelligence. Um, it allows the firewall to block traffic from known malicious IPs or Tor exit nodes. Hope you're not running a Tor exit node there, Dave. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do like having Tor inbuilt into my, my particular browser. Like, that's how it's helpful. But no, it's I'm brave. not. I, using, yeah, I'm brave. using Brave, yeah. Brave's got it built in, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's a cool feature. Allow traffic from other sources such as search engines, public clouds, upstream providers, uh, you know, CDN caches. And they're continually updating that IP list to, to block those threats. Um. This other feature that I really like, domain name FQDM based objects. Now, I've wanted this in firewalls for years, and I don't know why firewalls just didn't support this out of the box. What what would be so hard about doing a lookup on an IP address and then just doing a rule based on a, a DNS name instead of an address? Yeah, so is that actually what it's doing? Like if you put the domain name in there, yeah, it will... Do yeah. it so it's, it's going to go and find out the IP address for that server or? Yep. With domain name FQDM based objects, Google Cloud takes care of knowing the exact IPs for the FQDN in firewall rules. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's nice. That yep. is nice. Yep. So the kids are carrying on. You want to block YouTube? YouTube.com. Boom. Blocked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, Susan. <laughs> Sorry, Susan. Yeah. So is that would be helpful then because I'm thinking like you know such a common use case is like you know you're, you're blocking traffic out but you want to allow access to you know, some API endpoint just you do know? it with the domain yeah so you, you know, it would have say, API, theoretically yeah. you have like I don't know api.splunk.com or something right you can add that in instead of having to go through and find out what the what IPs you need to whitelist which could change which could change that's right um, I guess you could you could fudge it up with like a layer seven switch somehow, um, but this this bakes it right into the firewall. That's what we want, right? We don't want to have yep. to. The best part is no part, so we don't want to have an extra. Yeah, part. that's it. That's it. Um, I am governed tags, so this is a cool feature too. Um, New type of resource management tag with enhanced security properties that can be applied to various Google Cloud resources, including VMs. Um, and you you integrate the tag into your uh, firewall policy, and it gives you a mechanism for micro segmentation based on the IAM tag. Now it's not a network tag, right? This is a new Type of tag and IAM government tag, and I think we did mention it when it when it first came out. Strictly controlled by IAM position p- permissions, um, and uh, you do it at the IAM and sort of user user level. 
much more secure. Yeah, really good. And this last feature that I wanted to talk about is like, why didn't we have this before? Address groups, right? So when you create a firewall rule, you can only have one IP at a, mo- at a time at the moment. Now <laughs> we have address groups, right? Yes. Something every other firewall has had forever. <laughs> um, so you can set up a collection of IPs or a range of IPs. Thank goodness. <laughs> Mm, can we put a, uh, a series of domain names in there then? Can we put that and the domain objects mm, together? Yeah, it does. Well, yeah. I mean, you kind of suggest that that's a possibility. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Going to have, going to, have to play have to have a play with it. I think the project we're on now doesn't really, it's not really using these firewalls, but um, I think the next big you know, project in the future may do. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to go and have a look at that. Um, so there you go. There's a bunch of new features for cloud firewall and while we're on the security theme uh, I thought I'll, I'll link in the show notes an article from Mandiant we know who Mandiant is <laughs> just a little company I don't think anyone wants to buy them or anything no, it certainly hasn't no, been a long drawn out no it wasn't a big deal at all when no. I got bought <laughs> I can see it up um, in, the, in the top left there I got Mandiant now part of Google Cloud now part of Google Cloud that's right uh, the majority of business cybersecurity decisions are made without insight into the attacker, according to a new Mandiant report. So, basically, people are making decisions and they're not even sure why they're doing it. Uh, who's going to attack us? Someone. Yeah. So, we'll just try and cover all bases. And... Yeah, how's that saying go? If you try and please all the people all the time, you, you please no one, so you get nowhere with it. Uh, the report is based on a global survey of 1,350 cybersecurity decision makers across 13 countries and 18 sectors, including financial services, healthcare, and government. Um, despite the widespread belief that understanding the cyber threat actors could be targeting their organisation is important, of respondents stated that their organizations make the majority of cybersecurity decisions without insight to the threat actor that is targeting them. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like 79%. I mean, we've been in plenty of discussions with your security teams and stuff and- Mm. You know, a lot of it is just uh, we'll have to defend the perimeter against all of them. <laughs> Whoever it is, got to stop them. Yeah. <laughs> Fly by the seat of your pants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it goes on to say that uh, 96% were satisfied with the quality of threat intelligence their organizer is using. So that's surprising. That's a false confidence. I yeah. mean, from that, I'd see that as a false confidence. Respondents declared effectively applying that intelligence throughout the security organization to be one of their greatest challenges. Oh, right. So we've got, we've got a great tool and we do nothing with the data. <laughs> yep. Only half of them, I think, it's applied. And then further, almost 98% of those surveyed said that they need to be faster at implementing changes. So we've got nearly everyone satisfied with it, but half of them say they aren't doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) 
right? And ninety eight, but 98% and 98% of them, nearly all of them, say they don't respond quick enough. Yeah. But we're satisfied with the quality. <laughs> so, yeah. they, they, they trust the tool and they don't trust the, their internal systems to be able to actually implement. Yeah. You know, if I was like on the board of Medibank or, you know, AHM or whoever, I would have this like, you know, your weekly get together. I would have cybersecurity as an item, like a fixed agenda item. Yeah. You know, where, where are we at? We've got, there'd be a checkbox there. You know, have, have we, you know, where are we at with password rotation? All this simple stuff, right? Make sure that is filtered all the way down to the people that are actually doing it. Um, yeah, there might be bigger ticket items for the for for a board to to look at, but it needs to be paramount. It needs to be present in everyone's minds. Yeah, I guess it's where like the benefit of having you know the, the whole Beyond Corp model is, though. Like we just we don't trust anything. No, that's right. Yeah, zero uh, trust. Yeah, go zero I trust. have to assume that I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't trust me. I don't trust my own device. Yeah. Yeah, and then the article goes on to say, however, despite these concerns, security decision makers remain optimistic regarding the effectiveness of their cyber defences. <sighs> you can be optimistic all you like, <laughs> <laughs> right? But don't have an you know, overinflated sense of self-confidence. Just over half of right. respondents felt that they could prove to their senior leadership team that their organization has a highly effective cybersecurity program. Are you just hoping? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like everyone's really confident, but when, it, when, it, when push comes to shove, they, they can't prove it to you. They can't show you. A um, couple of little interesting point here. When asked to rank which countries their organisation would be able to fully defend against, more than half the respondents, 57%, said Russia, followed by China, 53, North Korea, 52, and Iran, 44. I mean, it's, it's an interesting statement, though, right? Like... Unable to fully defend itself. I mean, it's not, it's not as simple as just, you know, geo-blocking IPs from Russia, right? Like, VPNs exist. Yep. Um, all the IPs are all jumbled around now anyway because uh, people are doing BYO, yeah. right? <laughs> Everything's all over the place. I, I get that. I, I, I could understand stating that, oh, you know, we, uh, we couldn't defend against a nation state. Like we might mm. be able to defend against a script kitty, but uh, you know, a, a nation state with like a huge security, attack. yes, yeah. and like a security apparatus that deals, you know, like remember, like like Stuxnet and all those. What was the one? Oh, yeah. The one that took down that huge shipping company. I know there's been a couple now, but was a toll uh, that got crippled by the Russian attack? Toll did get crippled, didn't they, a few years ago now? Yeah, it was like they lost yeah. everything. Mm, mm. Uh, wasn't that a ransomware? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And then a couple of other figures here. Only 38% of security teams share their threat intelligence with a wider group of employees for risk awareness. Uh, 78% of respondents 
relayed that their organisation could focus more time and energy on identifying critical threats. Anyway, good article from Mandiant. There's a lot of numbers in there and a lot of stats, so go and take a look. There'll be a link in the show notes. All right, let's move on, Dave. Let's move on to the AI Wars. AI Wars. Yeah, just wanted to kick off this week's AI Wars segment with, because uh, it's a segment now, Dave. You realise that. It's a segment There's now. no stop on this train. <laughs> no way. Um, the AI Australia podcast, which is produced by Eliza, one of our sister brands, uh, in the last episode uh, of the AI Australia podcast, they uh, they they talked about um, pros and cons of using ChatGPT in classroom. Why ChatGPT is viewed as a form of weaponry by some people. The opportunity for ChatGPT presents society as a whole. They go, they dive right into it, deep dive into ChatGPT. Of course. Their main purview is responsible use of AI. So if you want to get the skinny on AI and they can do a far better job than we can, um, yeah, go and listen to the uh, AI Australia podcast. Uh, I'll link in the show notes. We might even get them on one day. That'd be exciting. Mm. Yeah. Get them on our show. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they'll give you a weekly wrap-up of what's going on. But... Uh, but right now, of course, we're interested in AI as it affects Google and where Google sits and how we, how we're going to fight off the scourge of Bing and its AI. Bing. <laughs> oh, um, Bing. Oh, Bing. Bing, 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 Bing. Has Google already lost the chat GPT war? Well, what no, do we think uh, on okay. this? So this, this is interesting because, you know, last – podcast we uh we had a play around with uh with bard we through a private preview or through some mm. people that we knew who had access to the preview um which was cool uh but i think at about the same time that our podcast would have come out the announcement and demo of bard uh happened and landed yeah well the demo gods are sometimes not particularly favourable. <laughs> um, and how much did it end up costing Google? Yeah, just a, sne- <laughs> a sneaky hundred billion dollars. Hundred billion off the share price. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I got a link to exactly what I-, I think in one of the articles I'll link in the show note. It links off to the incident um, that happened with Bard, and he gave a wrong answer, and it ended up costing Google a bit. Yeah, I think it was uh, the. It asked a question about. Um, I think it was about James Webb, or or it was about. It was about something else, but it ended up saying that. Oh yes, the first time we had photos of this thing was because of the James Webb telescope, and that wasn't the case. It was like it was old data. Um. So, you know, it was a very convincing answer, but it was wrong. <laughs> um, I will link a couple of articles in the show note with regards to this. Um. But I think I think the hotness is going to be um, in relation to um, AI-assisted search. That seems to be what everyone's angling for at the moment. 
Google is a little bit sensitive towards that. They don't want to rock the apple cart too much. Like they're happy with what Google search is doing at the moment. Um, I, I, there's a pie chart here um, saying that in terms of revenue, Google search is earning Alphabet 69% of their revenue. Yes. Our, uh, you know, we touched on uh, YouTube before. That's 10%. Our friends yep. at you know Google Cloud is nine percent, so yeah, and all the other stuff twelve yeah, percent, everything else, <laughs> other bets, but uh, but sixty nine percent for search. Anything that you know, they they don't want to stuff that up, no. But if they don't evolve, then perhaps somebody else can take a slice of that pie. That's right. So it's it's a it's a real quandary at the moment and a real scramble to try and get something that's workable and something that's not going to screw everything up. Um, Google search has has grown unfettered by any serious comp- competition for many years. Another chart here, uh, FY twenty eighteen, we saw uh, eighty five billion. FY twenty two, hundred sixty two billion. So it's doubled in those four years. You know what I think where I could see it being super helpful is, you know, I'm a big proponent of like Google Homes and I use mine all the time. Mm. But I think if they could get that to be, you know, barred enabled, that would certainly help with some of its responses, especially some of the random questions that my kids ask. And if it's not, you know, something that can have pre-canned, like, you know, what's the forecast or some sort of very common fact. If it's not like that, then mm. usually what will happen is it might – it'll find like the top uh, the top article maybe about the thing or a Wikipedia page and it'll, it'll read out like a blurb, but it's got a, like a word limitation. It'll just stop. So, right. you know, I think having that be more conversational would, yeah. would be – I mean, especially when you're actually talking to it, so – yeah, if you could set up a conversation with it, yeah, then you could sort of d- dig into the topic a little bit more, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, but what what I found interesting about this, and the register article that I'll have in the show notes, talks about, it's an opinion piece, um, and it talks about what, What's happening to Google search? And this seems to be a phenomenon that a few people are, are, are getting onto. Um, is Google is at pains to say that its search output contains 50% less irrelevant content than eight years ago. And a lot of this phenomena is being driven by SEO and companies forcing the searches into the search algorithm. So they're becoming less and less relevant, what you search for. Um, and I guess that makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> kind of like, uh, you know, your hackers. <laughs> There's so many people who are trying to hack the system of SEO, but they're, you know, there are professionals out there that their whole job is to go and help you list higher on Google. That's right. Um, that's right. And the min-maxing so this- that can happen there. Yeah, so this could be something where AI could help, right, to surface something that's relevant for you. Um, it's not exactly clear how that would happen, but uh, I'll also link 
another video which which relates to this, and it's uh, it's a YouTube video, and they're talking about what happened to Google Search and the, the phenomena that seems to be happening at the moment that that is not helping this along with SEO is that a lot of the data that you would have traditionally indexed is now being migrated into these data silo, uh, isolated data silos. So how many forums have moved into Discord, for instance? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? In the past, you would have done a search and you would have landed on a um, PHP BB forum and you would have found what you want. But Google's not indexing Discord. It's, it's kind of locked up in there. Yeah. Rolling little gated um, communities. That's right, and and it's just getting the phenomenon is getting worse and worse and worse. There's 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 groups in uh, Facebook where all that information's locked, essentially locked up. Um, if you want to find do a meaningful search, you either need to put the well, you need to put either Reddit or Stack Overflow or Wiki into the search to find the article that you want. Right, I, I know if I'm looking for something and I, I want the wiki. It used to be, you look for an individual and the wiki article would be like the first hit. It's not the case anymore. You got to put Wikipedia in the search to force it to go to Wikipedia, right? Because of all the SEO pollution yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that all the data's been yeah in the gated communities, as you say, Dave. So I see potentially that as an area where AI could help improve those search results. But yeah, they've got to be really careful about it. Anyway, go take a look at those articles. Links in the show notes. All right. Well, I think we've been talking enough today, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think we can uh, give people some time back. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank- I hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Thank you for attending this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it'd be really cool. Maybe we could have a chat bot as a guest one day. That'd be fun. <laughs> Would that even work? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, go and go and help out the show. Go to iTunes, write us a review, um, and uh, don't forget you can contact the show gcplife at casino.com.au. We've got the Twitter there at gcplife. You can Google us on the website. I think that search still works properly, unlike some other searches. Um, hey, are you showing up? I don't know. I haven't. Oh, I haven't uh, gone to have a look. Just maybe go and have a look at that while we. <laughs> and don't forget, today's sponsor is Casna. At Casna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. How's the search look, Dave? Uh, Am I there? Or is it doesn't you? doesn't come up with the um the little doesn't pictures, have the picture there so anymore. I don't know if it's yeah. me or you. I I've been uh, unusurped, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's about it for us. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. Solutions, solutions, At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud. <laughs> Shut up. <clears throat> yeah, we're good to go. All professional here. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to podcasts. <laughs>